going to be all about. And he introduces it in a way where he's talking a lot about the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom is really what we want uh, our focus to be on today is, is what is this kingdom culture that Jesus was trying to cultivate within his followers, within those who, even, even us as his followers, a kingdom culture. See, there is a, a kingdom that is beyond any uh, world system, world culture that we live that we live in. We, I may be a citizen of the United States, but really I'm a citizen of heaven. And I'm just passing through this life. And there is even, uh, even as we look to that land beyond that we were just singing about, that one day I'm going to fly away, I'm going to be in heaven. Uh, but uh, even now, even now, we ought to be praying and living out His kingdom of heaven here on earth. That is what Jesus was trying to establish. He was saying this isn't just something that we are looking forward to, but we want to bring the kingdom of heaven right now to earth. And that's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on heaven or in heaven. Uh, I'm sorry, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, but uh, this is this is what Jesus is teaching. Last week we focused in on the Beatitudes, uh, where Jesus was beginning uh, beginning this this sermon. And today we're going to dive into starting in verse number thirteen of Matthew chapter five. So verse thirteen, we'll read through um, we'll read through verse eighteen here today. It says, "You are the salt of the earth." But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Then uses another analogy here. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that's set upon a hill cannot be hid. He extends that light analogy saying, neither do men light a candle and then put it under a bushel. But no, they put it on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that you may see or that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not to come to destroy, but I'm come to fulfill for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So this passage here is where I want to uh, to really get our, our text here this morning, our jumping off point, as we look at the mission of a disciple. So we're talking about kingdom culture, cultivating this culture within the church within my, my own life of, of what Jesus is trying to establish. And, uh, and it's a very counter cultural, uh, thing, a counter cultural way to live. The kingdom values are not the world's values. Kingdom values, uh, perhaps, perhaps even this week you, you saw there was a, a movie that was released this week on July 4th that uh, 
sheds light on uh, some really awful things that are taking place in our world with, with sex trafficking. And I don't know if anybody heard of Sound of Freedom that came out this week, but it was put out by some Christian men. It's not necessarily a Christian movie, but uh, it's, it's obvious there definitely is talking about uh, God's children and how, how we all uh, we all are, must stand up for God's children. But uh, I've seen some articles coming out. In fact, just this morning I was scrolling through, uh, scrolling through a news feed and saw an article that was speaking out against this movie and talking about, uh, about the agenda that they have. And, and if, if the world wants to speak about an agenda that, that this movie would have about sticking up for God's children, then then we surely know that the world has an agenda to come in and try to warp what God means for good and what God would want us to experience in this good life. But there is, there's so much that, that the world would try to come in and, and it's, it's tearing apart the family. It is, it is speaking out against that which is good and calling good evil and evil good. And God is calling us to stand up and to stand out as his people and to be a witness unto him. To be a witness that would stand up and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of Jesus and and I'm going to stand for truth and I'm going to stand for righteousness. And in this day and age, when you do that, when you make a stand for what is true and what is right, you stand out. I'm thankful that, that we have a church that is, uh, that's not afraid to stand out, but there is, uh, because we are called to be witnesses. Each and every one of us are called to be a witness. And this is what Jesus was really addressing here as he, as he enters into this passage uh, or enters into the sermon here and begins to talk about what it means to be on mission within his kingdom. And this kingdom culture, it can't be established by just one man, even if that one man was Jesus Christ. It couldn't just be, uh, it can't just be propagated and to fill the earth if it was Jesus was the only one to speak these words, to say these words. He may be God manifest in flesh, but if he's the only one to speak out uh, for the kingdom of God and to bring the kingdom values here, then it would have stopped a long time ago. But thank God for the church. Thank God for men and women who would, who would be, uh, who would be propel, or who would propagate this message that Jesus was, was teaching them and that they would say, you know what? My life has been changed because of what Jesus has done and I've got to let somebody else know about, about this. I've got to let somebody else know and I need to be a witness of what Jesus has done for me and to tell them about it. And, and so I'm thankful that there were men and women who would stand up and they would be the salt and the light under this world. But we're going to, we're just going to dive in. I want to look at what does Jesus mean with these, 
uh, with these analogies that he is using here. And I know this weekend we had several in our church uh, who were uh, in the kitchen and you're baking. Uh, we have a bake sale that's going to take place uh, following service today. It's going to go to support our uh, our high school, our middle school and high school students who are going uh, on a uh, going to a big conference here in a couple of weeks. And uh, we have several who have kind of donated their time and their efforts to to bake some things that we we're going to sell. And in baking or cooking, uh, there's there's a lot of different ingredients that come together to make something tastes good. And and if you are if you are a, a novice to the kitchen, uh, you can go in and you can throw a bunch of stuff together and and it might taste all right, might taste a little bit bland, but all of a sudden if you just throw just a little bit of salt in there, something begins to change. Anybody ever been in the in the kitchen and you're cooking and uh, and you're and you're, uh, you're making the chef is just laboring diligently in the kitchen. And maybe you're making a soup or you're making something there on the, on the stove. And somebody, just some random passerby who lives in your household who is not putting the, the work in on your cooking. And yet they come in and they, they take a little taste of what you are cooking. And they say, eh, I think it just needs a little bit of salt. Or maybe even you yourself, if, uh, as you're cooking, you take, you take a few spoonfuls and... Uh, take a little taste and you yourself, you know, you realize I need a little bit of salt and, and you add in just a little bit of salt. And what that does is it, it doesn't, it's not about the salt taste, but what the salt does is it brings out the taste of, of the other ingredients that are in there. I got a, uh, sticking back, um, when I was still in my, my parents' house growing up and I had a sister that will go unnamed, uh, but one of my, one of my sisters, that uh, one day we had a garage sale that we were doing and she decided, I want to, uh, I want to bake some cookies just to, you know, just to have there at the cash register that people can have and as they're buying things at the garage sale and, and, um, made these cookies and she loved to be in the kitchen and, and had these cookies out and the first customer that took one of these cookies and, uh, tasted it, uh, made a, quite a face and uh, could tell that there was something that was not quite right about these cookies that have been made. And so we, uh, I was not the one that did it, but uh, somebody taste tested one of these cookies and I'm glad that I wasn't the one because what we ended up finding was that somehow the salt and the sugar had gotten messed up in these cookies and it was the saltiest cookie that you had ever tasted. And uh, I hope that she did not bring any of her salt cookies here today for our bake sale. But, but salt in large quantities, it, you know, it, it, can, it doesn't taste good. But in the right quantity, in the right amount, just a little bit of salt can go a long way. And that little bit of salt... It can bring something from tasting bland to really bringing out the flavors of so much uh, of what is in it. Is there, is there anybody in the house uh, who who likes watermelon? Anybody like watermelon? Is there anybody that, that puts salt on their watermelon? Yeah, there are some of you in this place. I, I am not one of those, but I, I know there that, that people, they, 
they will they promise that it it makes it taste better it brings out the real flavor of the watermelon if you just put a little bit of salt on it um myself i'm not one of them but uh but there's there's something about salt it it can enhance the flavor of of what you're eating and it brings out the real ingredients and so i, I think you know there's there's so many different aspects of salt that we could look at today but this one this one thing that that we find with salt i feel is so applicable to what it means to be a witness in this world and to be a disciple of christ because we're called to be the salts of the earth we're called to come in and and to to find to, to be with people, to, to live in this world but not be of this world. But yet, as we are in this world, we, we rub shoulders with, with individuals that, that they may be broken, they may be abused, they have a past of brokenness, they have, they have a past of all kinds of things. But I would hope that there is a church. I would hope that there is a people that would come and that they could... Find in somebody who may be broken, but say, I see the image of God in there somewhere. I see the image of Christ in there. And I, I don't want to focus on the brokenness. I don't want to focus on, on the, the prickly nature that they may have. But I want to bring something out in you that is the goodness of God. And I want to begin to, uh, begin to rub shoulders with somebody and say, you know what? There is something good in you and I'm going to help bring that out. Not because of me, but because of Christ in me. And I want to, I want to begin to cultivate a friendship and a, and begin to cultivate a, uh, you know, a, a, a relationship where we can begin to talk about the goodness of God. And I believe that everybody was made in the image of God. It doesn't matter what your past is. You don't have to be born into a Christian family in order to be made in the image of God. You don't have to be raised in a church in order to be made in the image of God. And for God to have a desire for you, or for God to have a desire to have a relationship with you. But I believe everybody, everybody that you rub shoulders with, that they have God's image inside of them and that that God, He breathed the breath of life into them. And that God has a desire to come in and to begin to say, let me fix some areas of brokenness inside of you. Let me come in and begin to, to allow the, 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 the things that, these qualities that are in you that, that you may, that you may be covering up with the, the hard shell that you, that you're put on this morning. And let's begin to break some of that apart and say, I want to see the, the goodness of God represented in you. And for us as the salt of the earth, when we begin to mix in, when we begin to, uh, to describe what Jesus Christ has done and has already accomplished for them as when he died on the cross, when he began to do that, I, I'm telling you that there is, there is somebody who they can begin for the first time to really feel the love of God when we are truly the salt of the earth and we begin to tell them exactly how much God loves them and how God would care for them. As the salt of the earth, we are a preservative. 
or a preservative salts has been used for centuries, for millennia, as a preservative that it would be it would be poured upon something so that it could preserve the lifespan of that food and and that salt as as the salt of the earth that we are here so that we can that we could tell somebody about the eternal life that they may have through Jesus Christ. See, there's salt, but Jesus said that if the salt has lost its savor, if the salt has lost its effectiveness, then what good is it? If all that we do is to point out the ugliness of somebody, if all that you do is want to gossip about, you know, what wrong somebody did, how is that bringing out the good in somebody? How is that helping you to, to bring somebody to Christ? How is that helping you to preserve what God wants to do in them? That's, it is good for nothing. Jesus would describe it as that. He doesn't really mince words when he's describing Christians who have lost their saltiness, who have lost their effectiveness to begin to minister to the needs of somebody. He says that they are good for nothing. Then he dives in and he, he begins to go uh, in a different direction with his analogy and says that we ought to be like a city that's set up on a hill. And if you've ever taken a road trip uh, with, with friends or family and you've uh, maybe you were the driver, you've probably a time or two experienced the unpleasant nature of having backseat drivers in your car. And you have uh, you have one person that's saying, "No, you need to turn this way, or you need to go that way." Or uh, I remember a time when I was the backseat driver. Uh, I was uh, again young, and and my parents were taking us on vacation. We were down in Tennessee, and beautiful area uh, down in Gatlinburg area of Tennessee. We went to Cades Cove, and uh, just a just a beautiful area of country, and. Remember this in this loop that uh, that is Cades Cove when we parked uh, parked at one point and took a hike and and uh, went back and saw a waterfall and made our way back and and yet as, as we're on our way out it's just kind of one one way out and we're looking at the map or I should say I was looking at the map and my my father is driving the car and we're in this long line of cars and we're just barely inching along and. I say, you know what? Hey, there's the map is showing that there's a road right here that could get us out, uh, get us out a different way, and we could escape this traffic. And so I said, okay. And uh, for some reason, he listened to me. And my, I don't know, 16, 15, 16 year olds' uh, advice of taking this beaten path. And I don't even know why this road was on the map because this road. It led us up the mountain and through these trees, and it was uh, just wide enough that our tires were able to fit on this. And we got to a point where it was winding this way and that way. And if you, uh, my, my mother was hanging on for her dear life because we were at the edge of a cliff at one point and uh, making wind, uh, windy turns. And, uh, and, and we finally made it out. After about an hour detour uh, on this little tiny road that, uh, in my estimation, looked like it was a shortcut. And uh, sometimes we have those backseat drivers that, uh, that kind of, you know, they have ideas. 
on what we can do. Maybe even GPS itself, you know, tries to tell you, go down this road and that road. And you know, uh, man, that seems a little bit odd. And uh, GPS threw me for a loop one time down in, we were down in Florida. And I'd, we'd been many times down in Florida and driven uh, to the airport. And we were going to the airport. My wife is laughing because we, we're kind of in a hurry and uh, trying, just trying to get to the airport and threw the GPS on just to get there. And it was taking us on every back road. I could not figure out why it was doing this. And finally, we realized after about half an hour of back roads uh, this way and that way that we had no tolls um, marked on our GPS. And you had some toll roads right there by the airport. And so uh, GPS even sometimes can throw you for a loop. But as you're, as you're driving, I'm just kind of going on some paths this morning for some reason. As you're driving, it helps if you have a few landmarks that can keep you on the right track. Some landmarks that, that you know this way from that way. And uh, if you're on a high point, uh, you have a city. You have Denver, Colorado, for example, that is, is there. It's at a very high elevation. It's a city that's set up on a hill. And you know in this, this city, you, you look off to the west and you see the mountain range that is there to the west. It's a very distinguished mark, landmark that you always know which way is west. And you look out to the east and you see the plains that are there. And you know for a fact which direction is which. And in this city, it's not a city that's set down in the valley. That's everywhere that you look. It looks the same east and west. But, but no, you have some distinguished landmarks knowing that this, uh, that this is the right way to go. This is the right turns that you should take. And a city that's set upon a hill. This was the reason that they would, um, that they would have cities, uh, that, that were landmarks like this back in the days of Jesus. That they would have a city that you would know, I'm going there. There's some light that's up there on that city that I know how to get there. They may, they didn't have GPS to get to the city, but they could always see the city no matter where they were at. They always had a landmark that they could point to as a light that was up on the hill to say, that is where I'm heading. And as Jesus is talking about what the mission of a disciple is, he said, you ought to be the city that's set upon a hill. You ought to be the one that if you have somebody around you at work who they're going through some hardship or some time in their life where they need some strength, that they can come to you and say, I don't know exactly you know, what all you believe, but I do know that you pray to a God who has kept you through many things. And I know that I can come to you and count on you to lift up my needs to God in prayer. You're a city that's set upon a hill and they may not know everything about you, but they know that they can always turn to you when they're in a time of need. They know that there is light that's shining out. There is no matter where they're at, no matter where they are at, they could turn to you because you have shown brightly no matter what, what their circumstances of life have been. You have shown yourself not to be pious, not to be holier than thou, but to say, I'm, I'm just, I'm just shining the light of Jesus. I just want to show you what it means to live in the, to have the joy 
of the Holy Ghost in my life. And I would hope that we have some cities and workplaces all around Noble County and LaGrange County and, and Allen County and, and whatever, wherever you're at, Stuben County. I, I would hope that, that we have some cities that are set upon some hillsides inside of some workplaces that, that you have individuals that they could say, you know what, I know that when I have a need that I can go to them. I know that there's something different about them. I've been watching them from afar. I've been watching them in, in different circumstances that I've been in. And I've, I've even seen them go through some hardships themselves. And yet the light is still shining. I want to be a city that's set up on a hill. Now, in order to be that city that's set up on a hill, you need to be open to the travelers coming in. You can't be closed off. You can't be the one who is prickly yourself or who would be resistant to somebody who may look different or, or have different belief system than you. Be resistant to them coming. But no, I, I want as the city that's set on a hill to be the one that when somebody comes to me, when a seeker comes, that they can find refuge. Not that I am their savior. You are not their savior, but you can point them to the one who is. And I want, I want them to, when they come to me, to, to be able to find refuge and to find help and to find somebody who is loving and to find somebody who is caring, not somebody who would be, who would say, Oh my goodness, you, you know, no wonder that you're in all this trouble because I've never seen somebody who's, who's so low down and dirty as you. I've never seen somebody who is who has done so much wrong and so much evil and all these things. And you know, no, I, I don't want to be the one who is there to condemn when they come seeking for help. I want to be the one who is there to show the love of Jesus Christ and to shine a light to say there is hope, there is peace. Come, come. That lamp that Jesus talks about, that lamp, he says, somebody would light a. Uh, light a candle and then immediately put a basket over it, a bushel on top of it. You know, it's it's really nice that uh, in our in our phones now they have these flashlights that are built into them because every once in a while I get up in the middle of the night I have a um, my son that might be crying in his crib and and you know he's crying out as he was again last night I think last Sunday I said the same thing. Uh, man, he was doing so good as a uh, sleeping through every night, doing great. And now he wants to sleep in mom and dad's bed again. But uh, you get up at night and you have you grab your phone and, and you have that little light that could shine and you can you can find your path without turning on all the lights. And just that little bit of light can make a big difference. The darker it is, the more just a little bit of light can really make an impact. Again, thinking back to to my childhood and and different trips, and we would we would take trips down. I believe it was down to visit uh, my aunt and uncle Brent when you got or Brent and Vicky um, when you guys were down in in Mississippi, and we would come down there. And one of those uh, trips, we stopped by Mammoth Caves, and uh, in Mammoth Mammoth Caves, we were going through, and um, 
There's one particular cave. I believe it was part of the Mammoth Cave system. That was the Onyx Cave. And in this cave, they, they, we went down there. I remember going down, and they, they turned out all the lights. And if you've ever been down in a cave, they turn out all the lights. You've never seen blackness, darkness in the way that it is when you are underground. And there is absolutely no light at all. And, and then all of a sudden, they just, just lit this one little lighter in the middle of this cave. And that one little lighter, just a little tiny light that right now, it would hardly make any difference at all. Right now, if I were to light that, it wouldn't make any difference. You would, you would, hardly, you would hardly notice it. But in the midst of this darkness, it lit up brilliantly this entire cave. And you could see everything that was in there. And just a little bit of light. And the, the world that we are living in right now, the dark, it seems it's getting darker and darker and darker. The closer that we get to the coming of Christ, I believe the world is going to get darker and darker. But that just means that the church needs to stand out as a more brilliant light more and more and more as the darker that this world gets. Do not cover up your light with a bushel. Do not allow your, your, your light to be hid. Don't be ashamed of standing out. Don't be ashamed of standing for truth. You see, our role as a witness is, is, uh, we have many parts in this. And one of these, uh, things as a disciple of Christ, one thing that we ought to be responsible for is, uh, to be a witness of evangelization. There is the great commission that Jesus called out every one of us, every one of his, his followers to go out. It's in Matthew 28, 19, where he says that we are called to go into this world and that we are called to, we are commanded to make disciples and to teach and to baptize every one from every corner of the earth or every one of us is commanded in the great commission to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a card-carrying evangelist. You don't have to be somebody who was licensed under some ministry or some. No, every one of us is called to be an evangelist. Every one of us is called to be a witness unto Jesus Christ. Every one of us is called. It's, it doesn't, you don't have to be a teacher that's in, the cla- in some classroom or a teacher that's up on some platform. No, every one of us is called to be a witness of Jesus Christ and to tell them about what he has done in my life. Begin to tell somebody else about the kingdom of God, to tell somebody else about the wonderful gift of salvation, to tell somebody else about repentance. Tell somebody else about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and what it, what it means to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It, that, is, that is what all of us are called to do. And through that, through this witness, we become witnesses of Jesus Christ through separation. There ought to be a distinguish, there ought, not just one, but there ought to be many distinguishing factors between the church in the world. The preacher once said that Christians are to be insulated, not isolated. Now we ought to be 
insulated. That means that we ought to have some things in us that are going to, to keep us, uh, keep us safe as we go through this world. Not, we're not isolated from the world. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus said that you are, you ought to go into the world, but let's not be citizens of the world. We are in this world as citizens of heaven, but we are not of this world as ones who would embrace the culture of this world. See, in this world, John chapter 17, verse 15. I don't know if I give you that scripture back there. But John chapter 17, verse 15. It says, I pray that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest... Keep them, uh, keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Seek or sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. He sent us into the world. And as part of the world, there must be something that allows us and causes us to stand out from the world. Now, this uh, there, there's so much that, uh, that that ought to sanctify us or be cause us to be separate. Uh, but but I would say the most uh, the thing that ought to most identify us is our behaviors, our actions, the way that we live, the things that we say, the things, the places that we go. The things that we do, our behaviors, the way that we live ought to bring glory to God. The way that we live, it's, it's, I, I would be far less concerned about somebody just being able to identify me by sight than, than, than I am concerned about somebody identifying me by my behavior, my walk. I want somebody to be able to identify me by the way that I walk. By the way that I conduct myself, by the way that I am, I am showing that this is, this is somebody who is embracing the call of Jesus Christ. This is somebody who is embracing the life that he has called me to. I want somebody to be able to see by the way that I live, by my honesty, by, my, by the way that, that I, I'm, I'm a truth teller. Not in the sense that I'm, I'm trying to you know, always tell somebody... Honest truth all the time and, and trying to, never mind, I don't need to go down that path. But I want to be a truth teller. I want to be a truth teller. I want to be somebody who, who they know that, that when they come to me that, that I'm an honest person. This is Christ-like behavior. I want somebody to know that I stand for, for what is right, for what is godly, for what is true. I, I want them to know that, that the love of Jesus, that Jesus showed in Scripture is the same love that they're going to get from me. I want them to know that the pattern that, of, of the way that Jesus lived his life is how I'm going to live my life, which is a sacrificial lifestyle. I want to live a sacrificial lifestyle. Somebody who is not all about myself, all about me, but I want to give, I want to serve, 
We were talking this past Wednesday, and if you haven't been here on Wednesdays, I want to encourage you to, to uh, engage in the conversations that we've been having. We were talking, uh, talking in here in the group that I was in about sacrifice and about serving others. And, and there is, there, this is the call of Jesus Christ for us. The pattern for the way that we ought to live our life is the life of service. The life of serving others. He's the one who laid it down. He's the one who showed us to how to live by washing his disciples' feet. By serving others. The one who's the king of kings came as a lowly servant. And so I want myself to be a witness to others through the pattern of my life. The way that I live. And this we see in 2 Thessalonians. I want to we'll finish with this passage here. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Get there real quick. Second Thessalonians chapter one. We're going to begin here in verse 11. It says, wherefore, also, we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. That he would fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him. According to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We all have a calling. We all have a calling upon our life. And he says, I want you to walk worthy of that calling. So that you can fulfill the good pleasure of his goodness. But then as he's going in, he says, I I want you, I want Jesus Christ to be glorified in you and for you to be glorified in him. As we look at at Jesus and what Jesus did when he came, uh, when, when God came to earth, he was the incarnate man of God. He was the incarnate manifestation of God. He was the word of God. Of God incarnated. And this incarnation. Incarnation is, is to put flesh on. It's to, it's to put substance to the spirit of God. God is a spirit. He's, he's a different nature than what we are. Our flesh and blood. But he came and he manifested himself. He became an incarnate being. And what Paul is writing here is he's saying, I want you to have, the, to have God glorified in you and for you to be glorified in him. And there's a, an aspect of God become, becoming incarnated in us. For God to become the one with us in the way that we are living our life, that, that we are allowing his word to become the way that we live our life. To allow God, Christ to be glorified. That when somebody would see me. That they see Christ. This is why Paul would say. I want you to walk as I walk. I want you to look at me as an example. Because I'm going to walk in the way that Christ walked. How could he speak with such confidence? It's because he was living as an incarnation of the word of God. 
He wasn't not in the same aspect, not in the same fullness that Jesus was. But I want all of us to strive for that. We, we look at, at certain passages that, that are talking about being perfect. And Paul himself, he says, he says, he says I, I, I haven't obtained the perfection yet, but that's my goal. My, my goal is to, to live out the word of God. My goal is to, to be when somebody would look at me that they see God and they see Christ in me. I want to be that type of a witness. I believe it's, it is the life of a disciple. And it's the, the mission of a disciple to not, not to, to blot out certain things or certain passages or to say, though, that's unattainable and that's unattainable, but oh, I think I can do that. And I think, I, no, it's to take the whole scripture. It's to take everything and to say, God, if, if I read it in here and then I look in a mirror and I, and I don't see this in myself, then Lord, I pray in all humility that you would help me to achieve what I am reading. God, that you would help me to live that out. God, help me to incarnate your word in my life. And if your word says it, then I want it to be incarnated in me. God, I want it to become part of me. I want it to be living. And for somebody, when they see me, that they would see Christ. If you've been filled with His Spirit today, then you already have the power to be a witness of Jesus Christ. You have the power, and you have the power to live out and, and to become, uh, become a, an individual who can live above sin. We should expect that when God is living in us, that he is working through us and he's working in us and that we could be witnesses unto him. It's in Acts 1-8 that says that when you receive the Holy Ghost, that you would receive power to be witnesses. That is him incarnated in you, his spirit coming alive in you so that you could be a witness of Jesus Christ. Amen. I pray here today. Let's, let's just... Uh, let's just solidify this word here today with hands lifted up. We have our Sunday school classes that are making their way back in. If we could just all just lift up our hands wherever we're at. And just say, God, I, I pray that you would just help me. Lord, that your word, God, that it would come to life in my life. God, that your word, God, that it would become incarnated in me. God, that your word, Lord, any aspect of it that, that I am not living out. God, that anything in your word, Lord, that is not present in me. Lord, I pray that you would remove from me, God, the things that ought not be there. God, that you would replace it with the behaviors and the actions and the, the lifestyle, Lord, that would, uh, that would show somebody else, Lord, the love of Jesus Christ, that would show them, Lord, that there is a God who has already gone to the cross and died for their sins. Lord, that you would help me to be a witness. Help me to be a light that's set upon a hill, God, or a, God, the salt. God, that would allow somebody to know, God, that you love them. God, we worship. I mean, let's just, let's just sing this song this morning as we close this out. Everything changes. Everything changes when your kingdom comes. When your kingdom comes. The earth
Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You could be seated here today. Amen. We have several who are out today on uh, their summer vacations and just getting away for uh, for a weekend trip, uh, including uh, Congies. Glad they're able to get get away. And so um, we covering all the announcements, all of that here this morning. And we do have several things that are taking place uh, or coming up here soon, including uh, this Saturday. Uh, we have a rummage sale that's going to be taking place right here at the church and if uh, that is open to anybody uh, who would like to be involved there is uh, just a small fee that uh, you would pay for a space here but you have all the traffic of of those who are going by and the the advertisements all that we're getting the word out Uh, and so they can come in and and you are still welcome if you would like to sign up for a spot I believe we have seven uh, families right now who have uh, different booths that'll be set up uh, for our rummage sale this Saturday. Uh, but if you would still like to do that, you can touch 